You may be seated. Well, as your visiting preacher this morning, I do want to thank Father Joe, his wife Abby, for the invitation. Always a pleasure to be here. And thank Tom and Mary Ellen Good for hosting us, Kathy and me, in their house, feeding us and taking care of us. Thank you. One other thing comes to mind as well, as Sarah was reading the gospel, that uh, 30-some years ago I married her off to David Nix. And uh, Sarah's mother's sitting here to bear witness that that really is the truth. They are married, aren't they? Yes. We sometimes wonder nowadays. Well, my home is Pittsburgh, hence the uh, mention of Babylon. (laughs) And uh, we'll be driving back to Pittsburgh this afternoon. My wife Kathy and I, Kathy sitting down here right in the middle of this row of prestigious people here, is uh, my wife for 46 years. And... uh, Our home has been in Pittsburgh, 45 of them. So that's where we've raised our children, four daughters, and uh, have ministered from and about all those uh, years. And it's a pleasure to be here in Hudson. It's absolutely gorgeous. I want to bring people from Sewickley, which is where we really live, and let them see Hudson and what they might do to Sewickley. (laughs) There are parts of Sewickley that could really take off on what Hudson has done here. Absolutely brilliant. But let's bow our heads and pray a moment and talk to the Lord. He walks amongst us. He knows who we are, what it took us to get here, what priorities we have laid aside to be here. knows our hearts and our needs. So, Lord Jesus, as you walk amongst us as a good shepherd, knowing your sheep by name, knowing who we are, thank you, Lord, that you love us. And your love is so unconditional that no matter where we have been, No matter what we have done, you still love us as much today as the day when you died for us on the cross. So knowing what we have to deal with, we ask you, Lord, to make a way into our lives and our circumstances this morning. Help us to come to you and bring with us whatever it is we have on our hearts, whether great opportunities that are somewhat risky or great burdens which bear us down. Lord Jesus, help us to come to you. So toward that end, please take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. 
We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Now one thing I need to mention before we go any further, there is a little table out in the vestibule with a couple of books which I have authored. Just want to draw your attention to this one, given the theme of the weekend, because we met Friday for uh, a potluck supper, which was more luck than pot. It was very good. And uh, then we met all yesterday morning for uh, a series at the conference center here. And uh, then in the afternoon took a train ride, all of us. And that was quite amazing to Akron. And back. (laughs) I wondered about that. I wondered if they were going to leave us off and what would happen next. But the train drove us back. And so here we are Sunday morning bringing a conclusion to a a lovely weekend here in Hudson. But the theme of it was about our commitment to Christ and deepening that. And it so happened that I authored a book a number of years ago called Beating Mediocrity. Now there's something very unpleasant about mediocrity. Uh, Back, and I remember this as a lad when... Sir Winston Churchill was elected out of office having won the war I go back that far and I remember it clearly and Clement Attlee a name that probably you haven't a clue about was elected as the Labour Prime Minister of England Clement Attlee and Sir Winston Churchill was asked as Clement Attlee had won the election, was the new Prime Minister, what did he, Mr. Churchill, think of Clement Attlee? And he said, he is a very modest man who has much about which to be modest. (laughs) He could have equally said he is really mediocre and he deserves to be named that. Well, nobody wants to be a very modest person who has much about which to be modest. And yet mediocrity does cloud much of our self-awareness as followers of Jesus. We may be brilliant in one field or another. We may be. But when it comes to our following Christ, none of us will want to claim in any sense that we've got this licked. And in fact, we'll probably have to say we're muddling along somewhere in the middle. If you want to elevate that performance, this is about the six habits of the highly effective Christian. You know where I got that title from, some of you. So, beating mediocrity, take a look at it and uh, see what you think. Well, we're dealing with this passage from Matthew, and if you look inside your service sheet, it's the last reading that we had prior to my coming to preach. It has those very famous verses, verse 28 and 29, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, And I will give you rest. And for those of you who remember it in the old service we used to use, 
there was a series of verses like this called the comfortable words. And the preacher would say, hear what comfortable words our Saviour Christ saith unto all who truly turn to him. Some of you just melt on the inside when you hear that phrase. I do. Because it harks back to a tradition. But the very first of those comfortable words is this one. Where Jesus said, and I'll quote the old translation, Come to me, all of you who travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What an invitation. Now I've labeled this address this morning about how powerful an invitation can be. And if you just reflect on your lives, you've received invitations along the way that have been life-changing. In other words, the result of the invitation was life-changing. I've run into couples who are getting married and I asked them how they met each other. And amazingly, amazingly, a number have said that they met at somebody else's wedding. That they had been invited to be a groomsman or a bridesmaid. And as the groomsman spotted one of the bridesmaid and made his play for her. And won. And here they are getting married. It's amazing how often that happens. Just a simple invitation to help out in a wedding and you find a wife or a husband. I was invited years ago as a young troubadour coming over here from England to go and play my guitar and sing at a ranch in Colorado. A ranch. I don't want you to in Colorado. Well, I don't, you may have been sitting there saying, what's one of those? And uh, I, I sat down at table. The first, I was there for a week. And each night I would play my guitar and sing. And the Beatles had just preceded me. Not at the camp, but to the USA. And so coming from England and playing a guitar and singing, the kids sort of felt a certain energy and excitement that I might be the next Beatle or something like that. <laughs> so I played my guitar and sing, sang each evening. But that first evening, as I sat down to dinner, this very pretty girl came running in late and sat right across the table from me. She was noticeable, not because of her personal beauty only, but she was wearing, and some of you will remember this too, it's a strange thing to be harking back to a day 40-some years ago. She wore a hairpiece on her head, like a bun, and she'd obviously put it on in haste. It matched the rest of her hair color, and it was just off-center. <laughs> so she'd not only run in late, but she hadn't put herself together as tightly as she might. So that, you, you couldn't miss the hairpiece. <laughs> But I couldn't miss the beauty of her face. So I started asking around the camp, the ranch, who was she? Well, she was the girl's work crew boss. 
I said, you mean she's out of high school? Because I couldn't be muscling around with a high school girl. You know, I was already an ordained minister undercover as a singer and guitarist. And they said, oh no, she's graduated from college and she's working with Young Life and she's the girl's work group boss. Well, six months later, we were married. And 46 years later, she's here listening to me tell this story. And I hardly made a move on her at the ranch. But I had plans. But it all began with an invitation to go to the ranch. And that was a life-changing invitation. Last year, we went back to that same ranch. Somebody else now owns it other than Young Life. And Kathy brought her camera and took a picture of the table where we first set eyes on each other. All because of an invitation. Now you can think back over your life. How you even took a certain career or went to a certain college or went to live in a certain neighborhood. I mean, there are friends here from Ocean Reef and some of them got there because another of them invited them to come and stay. And now they're fully fledged members of the community. It would be interesting to know how you all got to Hudson, Ohio, this uh, beautiful little town here. Invitations are powerful. So when you invite someone to church, I ran into a couple that Sarah had invited to church as I walked in earlier this morning. Well, that couple sitting here in church are really here by invitation. They've never been here before. Where will that lead? It's powerful. I was invited to go and hear Billy Graham speak in London back in 1954 when I was just 18 years of age. That invitation transformed my life. I went to hear him and asked Jesus to come into my life and that's the reason I'm preaching here this morning. It's the reason I have Kathy for a wife. She would never have married the jerk that I was. <clears throat> I mean that sincerely. Invitations are powerful. Well, in this reading, Jesus gives an invitation. Take a look at it. He says, come to me. Very, very simple. Verse 28. Come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened. I want to say two things about that simple invitation. One is, clearly, Jesus cares about people who are really dealing with one problem or another. He doesn't say, come to me, all of you who are successful, carefree, rich and educated... And I'll join you in whatever enterprise you want. Because you're clearly successful. He doesn't say that. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary, heavy laden, burdened. 
In other words, often the people that we try to avoid because we don't want to get into their stuff, we don't want to hear about it, and there is so much trouble around. None of us escapes pain. None of us gets through this world without getting their heart broken. None of us lives free of care. None of us is genuinely carefree. None of us. And isn't it great to know that there is someone like Jesus who cares about us. So it's almost as if that's, if that's your case, he says, come to me. As if he would walk here up and down the roads of Holy Trinity and say, simply, come to me. With your problems. With whatever it is that's weighing you down. Come to me. Not necessarily come to church. Though those are sometimes synonymous. Not come and do something for me. Because I've got a whole list of things I want you to do. He doesn't say come and grovel because you've blown it so badly for so long. He knows the broken heart. He knows the person who's just burdened with whatever it might be. We had a daughter come home divorced. That was never in our plans and I know it wasn't in our daughter's. Come home divorced. She's just about getting over it now, after a half a dozen years or so. And I can tell you that my wife and I were in as much pain in all probability, maybe not quite as much, but our hearts were absolutely crushed for her and what she was carrying. If you've ever seen it or been around it, when that happens, that there is a Jesus who simply says, come to me, just to him. Now the other thing about this text is, if you go back to the beginning of it, because it's prefaced with something else, which makes the come to me all, this, all the more important maybe in many respects. Look at verse 25 where it begins. At that time Jesus said, and he's speaking to the Father now, he's sort of praying out loud, I praise you Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes Father, for this was your good pleasure. Another statement that suggests that Jesus is not just interested in powerful people and the power elites. But just like little children coming to Jesus. And it's like a childlike approach that he welcomes us by. We don't have to prove anything. Just as little children would come to their parents, so Jesus welcomes us, almost as little ones. I did a baptism this week for a family. One of the children had 
of that family had two kids and another had one and it was a big affair where we baptized all three children and the, the grandparents were there, the parents were there and these new little ones were there. And the circumstance that Jesus speaks of in the service, the way it's put together for us, where people were bringing little ones to Jesus that he might bless them, and the disciples were offended at it. Because Jesus was Mr. Big. He was important. They were his insiders, his chosen disciples. And they got it all wrong because they are fussing with the parents as if saying, go away, don't bring those children around Jesus. He's far too important or too busy with other matters to deal with those children. And what it says in the text, this is in Mark's Gospel chapter 10, Jesus was indignant at the disciples and said, let the little children come to me. And then he had that little phrase, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And no one comes into the kingdom except they come as a little child. You all remember that. It's so dramatic. Well, here Jesus is reinforcing that and thanking his father that it's not the big time folks that he's welcoming, but the ordinary little people, even little ones like children. He says, come to me. Now what's fascinating about Jesus is this, that all kinds of very ordinary people found him attractive. Fishermen. That's a tough trade. Ordinary folks. Women whose lives had been really messed up by whatever men they'd married or been used by. The hungry. The lame. The sick. The ordinary folks, so much so that the religious elites in his day, I mean, putting in this, in this language gets our attention. The religious, religious elites in Jesus' day were offended at Jesus because he met with sinners and ate with them, went to their homes, hung out with them. They all found Jesus. The ordinary people, very attractive and were drawn to him. Those who were full of themselves and their religiosity were offended at him. What a strange mixture. So right now Jesus comes to you as if only to you and says to you, come to me. Personal invitation. He says, come to me, whatever you have, whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your back, whatever's on your mind, come to me. And then he says one other curious thing, at least for us in our day, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Some of us were talking yesterday about humility and how 
can one claim humility and be humble at the same time? You get the problem. If I come to you and tell you how humble I am, you think, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> That's an arrogant statement. Jesus really was and could say it. Gentle and humble. His self-description. Now what he's speaking about when he speaks about being yoked to him would, be in a common, would have been a common image in his day where one oxen is yoked to another and they pull together. And Jesus is inviting you to come and be yoked to him. So when you put your neck in the yoke, guess whose neck is in the other side? Jesus. And then who's pulling the load? Jesus. So that when he says then the burden is light, and another translation of this says that the yoke really does fit. To be yoked to Jesus is not to be pulling along underneath a chafing load, but to be joined to one who is carrying the load for you and with you. So the idea is that we really get connected to him. Well, that's a little threatening. Who wants to be yoked to Jesus? That means everywhere he goes, I go. Or put another way, everywhere I'm going, he goes. That means he's around all the time. That's threatening to some of us. And that's often the battle of the ego that we deal with. Do we really want him in our life? Or do we just want him at the end of the line for a 911 call when we are in trouble? And then we get into our own griefs and troubles and we may eventually come running to him. Come to me, Jesus says. I remember the day I first accepted that invitation. And along the way with it, many other invitations like it. To be yoked to Jesus and to travel my life with him. But if you want someone in your life who really cares about you, if you want someone in your life who really has the power and the authority and the compassion both to care about you and to bear with you and carry your load, then you need Jesus. Let me ask you, where else are you going to go? Who else cares? How many people could you name who really care about you? That kind of begs the question. Who cares about you? Jesus. And no one ever cared for you or loved you like Jesus. So come to him. That's the invitation. You'll receive a call to come and receive Holy Communion and you'll see how we do that here in the church if you're not acquainted with it. But it's like coming to Jesus. 
You bring your load and let him lift it. Let's bow our heads together just a moment. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for loving me. Let me pray in the first person like this for you all so that you can make this your prayer in your own heart. Say to him, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming to me this morning. Thank you for this very kind and amazing invitation to come to you. Help me now in my heart, in my mind's eye, to see you and come to you. And as I come to you, Lord Jesus, lift my load. Thank you for putting your shoulder next to mine. And lifting this load. I give it to you, Lord Jesus. Forgive me, Lord, that I've tried to do everything myself and take care of things myself as if it's all up to me. And in one sense, Lord, I'm thrilled right now to say I've come to an end of myself. I have nowhere else to go but to you. Thank you for loving me, Lord Jesus, just as I am. Thank you for calling me to yourself, just as I am. Gladly I come. Gladly I surrender. Gladly I lay my burden upon you. Thank you, Lord, that you are gentle and meek. And you lighten the load. And grant, Lord, that as I walk from church this morning, I might know that you go with me and that you will never leave me nor let me go. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.